What's up, guys? It's Pat from House and Home. You're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. See you soon. Until then, stay in your house, goddammit. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 183 of We Podcast and We Know Things, where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me, as almost always, the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matoro. Since I couldn't be with him today because of Corona, happy 27th birthday to my nephew, Nico. Aww, Cheers, brother. Oh, dude, t- is it today, today? T- today, exactly. Oh, my God. Wednesday, April 22nd, dude. 2020. Happy birthday, Nico. We love you, brother. Boy. Dude, he's a great kid. He's a great and, kid. And it sucks. The whole family, all, all of our birthdays are in April and May. It's just like, well, they're it's, all skipped this year. Yeah, your co-host birthday's in May, too. It's going to suck. Yeah, maybe I you know I don't want to jinx anything so I'm not it's it's like two weeks from now I got no chance I uh <laughs> just I, accept it yeah right I I don't love the birthday like huge things anyway I you normally Neither just like I. a couple friends hanging out or whatever dude we I picked up Carabas ate it at home like it, I was like this is this is fine I'm good nice and quiet oh that's a good nice. idea I got a gift card to Carabas that might be a good friggin idea or Buffalo Wild Wings maybe probably Carabas it's gonna be a Sunday yeah. so it's I can do the whole day I don't have to work that day so that's gonna be nice dude and Carabas, it was fantastic. I love Carabas. Shout out to like being closed down twice for having rats, but still having awesome food. <laughs> Shout out to them. <laughs> so we got a pretty big show for you. I mean, like we said before, like our shows, it's finally not about anymore. Like what's being canceled. There's finally things happening again in the nerdy world. And we have it all yeah. covered for you this week. Uh, so Big, big show for you tonight. We're going to start off talking about an, an interview we just conducted. Uh, we're going to do our picks of the week, then trivia. It is three and a half for me, two for Sam, and our race to 11 win by two. And the movie section is back in its normal spot atop the show. So I'll start it off with movies. We'll go into, uh, let's see, I think, uh, oh yeah, I have impressions for two movies I just saw. We have a huge Comic-Con canceled, so we'll talk about that. Uh, in TV, we're going to recap Season 5 of Better Call Saul. That is where our top three for the week is going to be housed. So super psyched on that top three. Uh, then Sam will take over in the gaming section. We have one story in music. Only one thing in our newer segment, The Way 8, is the hottest part. So we'll do one quick thing (laughs) in that. And then Sam will have his CGC spotlight and we will get on out of here. Uh, So let's start talking about the interview we just conducted with Pat Williams of the band from Richmond, Virginia, House and Home. Such a cool freaking guy. Yeah, it was awesome. He was such a nice dude, super down to earth, super funny. And quite frankly, like a joy. It was he was one of the dudes who appreciated. He was just genuine. He He was just genuine. He appreciated being interviewed. Yeah, you know, and and that, you know, you don't run into that a lot in the music industry. A lot of people think it's like a chore Um, and to have somebody that and a lot of our guests feel, you know, happy to be interviewed. But like this dude was super psyched to to have us interview him and and the band rips and they deserve a, a lot more than they've got. And they've got a lot, but they deserve it all. And we're super psyched for House and Home out of Richmond, Virginia. They have a new record out right now. We actually reviewed it on the podcast, I don't know, three or four episodes ago. Um, so again, congratulations to, to house and home for dropping that new record. Uh, it is called find sense, feel love, make light, 10 songs, 33 minutes. It dropped April 17th. Check it out on Spotify or wherever you can. But dude, we talk about everything in this interview. 
Yeah, even he said, he goes, man, I think you guys checked all the boxes. Like, yeah, I think we did pretty good, too. And, and he, we had fun. We always have fun at the end with our rapid fire. We always do that. And he listened to us. Yeah, that, 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 that was unexpected. I was, I was kind of floored when he said that. So not only did we do a good job interviewing him by his standards, but we also – we got a couple of listens out of him. I'm psyched on that. Yes, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so that interview will drop uh, the 27th. So if you're listening to this on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it'll be out on Monday morning. If you're listening to this podcast Monday or after, it will drop uh, on that Monday, 6 a.m. So uh, if you're a normal, a lot of people listen to the show on Monday to start their week off. So if you have, if you do that, now you have two episodes to listen to, uh, episode 183 and the Pat Williams house and home interview. It's about 45, 47 minutes long. A lot of fun. You heard him at the top of this show. Uh, do the intro to the pod. Remember, just like you said, stay home. God damn it. Don't go out. Stop reopening your states way too early. Please. Florida, we're talking to you. Georgia, looking at you too. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into our picks of the week. So I'll start off. I saw another comedy special. Uh-oh. My, my Crystalia. Crystalia. Is well, it could have been. Did I ever do Burr Crushers? I don't yes, know if I did that. You did Burr Crushers because I did just watch recently Crystal Lee's new special on Netflix called No Pain. And, and I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's not it's not his best special, but he's got a dolphin bit that is pretty damn funny that should make everyone watch it. I, I think that alone is funny. I still think he's funnier on his podcast, Congratulations, which would be another could be pick of the week, which is really funny. But when it's like him and Brian Callen together, them two always making fun of each other. If you follow them on Instagram or, or Facebook, they're always calling each other out. It's absolutely hilarious. And th- this special, if you like it, he's just a goofy guy. Like I know a lot of people say they don't like Burke Kreischer because he laughs at his jokes. Chris Lee does the same thing. He laughs at his jokes, but I still enjoyed it. It kind of got me out of my own head for a little bit where you're, you're not thinking about work or when, when's the world going to be right again, just to kind of, Tune out for an hour. Just kind of leave your brain at the door and have a good laugh. So if you have Netflix, you want to laugh, Chris is special on Netflix, no pain. Two things. Number one, I can't think of Dolphins the same way after The Boys season one. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> number, yeah. T- number two, I like comedians that laugh at their own jokes. I don't I, I don't mind it. Yeah, it doesn't get me. Dude, I love Burt Kreischer. He's, you know, yeah. one, of, one of the ones that laughs at him most. I, I think it's great. Just, I know a lot of people don't like that. I yeah. just wanted to give you guys, just give you a, a little warning. Yeah, I, like John DeCrosta, one of my favorite comedians of all time. He laughs at his jokes all the time. What I, That's still hilarious. What I think it is, is if it's like predetermined and it's like a scripted laugh, I don't like it. But if it's a genuine, like, I'm laughing because the room is laughing, that, yeah. I love that, dude. That's wholesome content right there. That's yeah, spicy exactly. hot. I agree. I, agree. Um, I don't like Burt Kreischer because he's not funny. So hey, there's nice <laughs> I kid his next his I am in the minority of saying his latest special was my favorite one. So, um, you know, be that as it may. My pick of the week is a classic. It's a gem. It's something that I've played twice in the last week and beaten in one sitting both times. And I'm talking about GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. Hey, finally talking my language. It is. Uh, listen, I have been in like this okay, N64 kick lately, though. And like this was a great itch to scratch. How long did it take you to beat it? Under an hour. That's impressive. Yeah, I'm not like at speedrun strats like yet, but because that's still that's damn impressive. But this is like the type of game where um, I, I you just know. Well, it's it's under an hour if I play on agent. Let's call that out first, just to say okay. it. You know gotcha. what I mean? And I don't unlock the the Aztec, and I think there's another one, uh, pyramids or something. Egypt, I can't remember. 
Um, but yeah, I I play it on agent because quite frankly, I know it like the back of my hand and it's just kind of soothing um, to just run through the dam and not fire a single bullet. Um, but I I could beat it in under an hour. It's not like speed running, but I do use the movement that they use in speed running with like strafing. So I tend to actually walk with the C buttons, not the analog stick. So if that's you, interesting. If huh. you, if you strafe, like you're supposed to strafe left and right to like avoid bullets. Yeah. Yeah. But if you turn a little bit with the analog stick and look right a little bit and then down and then you just hold C left, you'll fucking fly through the level. So I actually just do that for movement, like through dam and streets and yeah. runway where you just pick up the key and go to the plane. Yeah, so run, yeah. I just do that like really quick. Um, and like the levels that are kind of shorter, I just strafe through them. It's the levels like train where you're really, it's claustrophobic and you got to shoot all those breaks out and stuff that I don't use strafing. Um, uh, it's super fun. I, I love that game. Like I said, I've been on like this N64 kick uh, I've been on like this tear to beat Super Mario 64 and get 120 stars. Um, I'm not doing well <laughs> in that. <laughs> I, I think that's going to take you a lot longer. No, no. I'm just frustrated at this camera. Like I, I'm so used to Odyssey because it's such a perfect game um, that I go back to play 64 and I'm like, the fuck am I playing? I need them. This has to be remastered. Like if that yeah. Mario remaster rumor is true, Nobody will be happier than me because I actually get a playable N64 Super Mario 64. I think it's one of the greatest games of all time. It's just like the camera did not age well to me. So I gave up. I was got pretty frustrated on the third Bowser fight, second or third Bowser fight. I can't remember. And I went to Mario Kart 64 and I got like super over it super quick. Um, I beat two cups on 150 CC and then I was like, fuck this. I get blue shelled every 35 seconds. So I was like, what do I want to play? And so it came back to GoldenEye as it often does. It's a classic. It's gosh darn. Listen, a lot of people say the visuals don't hold up. And a lot of people say. I they, mean, they're a little wonky. Come they, on, they, be honest. they can be, but I don't play it for the visuals. It's yeah, true. an incredibly tight moving game. It's uh, it's a nostalgia for us. Like, that's what we played growing yeah, up. Yeah, it's well paced. It's, you know, listen, when I see an N64 Pierce Brosnan head, it's funny as shit. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love the multiplayer, so that stands up, even though I have no friends, and even if I did with quarantine. Uh, <laughs> I just think uh, I'm going to put this debate to bed, and then I'll kick it over for trivia. Uh, it's better than Perfect Dark. Don't at me. Don't oh, at me. So I, many I people, won't at you. So, so many people think that Perfect Dark is the superior game because they're so close together. Like, they're very close in, in similar games. Fuck it, dude. GoldenEye's phenomenal that's a 10 out I, would, of 10. I would agree with you yeah i love goldeneye but that's my pick of the week goldeneye if you can get your hands on a copy for the nintendo 64 let's move on to trivia it is three and a half for me two for sam in our race to 11 win by two sam and i both have two trivia championships trying to vie to see who can get the illustrious third championship which means absolutely nothing Except yeah, no for state, there's no stakes there's no stakes bragging rights at maximum and that's not even particularly important to us So really just for fun, three and a half for me, two for you, Sam. I'm going to give you the question first. Try and get you within a half a point. All right, what do you got? It's a music question. Okay. What is the first Dance Gavin dance record to have Tillian be on lead vocals? Hmm. They have a lot of records. I will allow you to go through your phone 
and check out their discography so you can like know the names of the records if you promise me not to look up the lead singers. I, I, I won't look. I'm just going right to you know, the library. Dance, Gavin, dance. Uh, I think it's this. Ah. It's it's either one or it's either one or two. I'm gonna say acceptance speech. Correct. Oh my god! It was almost, dude. Before I looked, I was like, I think it's happiness. I think it's happiness. Was that on your list? If I asked for answers, it was on the list. Yeah. Shit, that would that would have messed that would have messed my gut. So thank God I just went for it. It is three and a half for me. <laughs> three for Sam. I have the chance to take back the point and a half lead. What do you got? No, I, I got something up here, Alec. I can't remember if I asked this or not, but here we go. What was Kirby's original name? Oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to need the answers. I, um, You did not ask it to me before, uh, but I'm excited for the answers. Okay. A, Pinkie Puff. B, Popopo. C, Captain Cooley. D, Gasper. Boy, that didn't do shit. <laughs> Dude, I looked at these answers. I said, what the F? All right. Uh, <laughs> I have to ask this question. Can you go through them again, the answers? Yeah. A, Pinkie Puff. B, Popopo. C, Captain Cooley. D, Gasper. You're going to go with Popopo. Correct. Yeah. It is It is Popopo. All right. So that is four to three. We're kind of on a hot streak. Well, hey, I'll take it. I'm only going to point back. The only reason only I said Popopo is – you either came up with those yourself, the question, the choices, or you pulled them from a like a random trivia website. And in either scenario, the words po 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 is too ridiculous to not be the right answer. I, I, do, I don't know. Captain Cooley. I was, I was kind of <laughs> impressed with that. <laughs> I definitely knew it wasn't Pinky Puff. Oh, my God. I, I was like, like, honestly, if you look, it's like all these names are horrible. Yeah. I would imagine uh, uh, that that Kirby has probably gone through a lot of different iterations over over his little. But just like Kirby, po po po, like it's just like what? <laughs> uh, maybe because he like breathed. Pop, 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 pop. I don't know. Maybe at your best guess. Uh, yeah, that is a horrible best guess though. But at any rate, is four or four four for me, three for Sam. I'm gonna have to update that. Uh, you're gonna have to remind. I'll write, me. I'm gonna write it on the next page. Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, but let's get into the movie section, Sam. And we have some impressions for you. I don't know if you saw the first film on the list, but I know you saw the second one, so we can at least have a conversation around that. I saw two movies this week. Um, I wasn't feeling great on Saturday, so I laid in bed. I watched a couple movies. And the first one was Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Have you seen it yet? I did not see it yet. Okay. It's 80 minutes, as we know. And I would say the that 20 minutes are truly like watchable. And the other 60 are you've seen it before. That sucks. It doesn't suck. Like the animation is is really sharp. I really I mean, like that. I mean, it just sucks to hear saying like, yeah, six, the whole hour is what you see for. Just just stay for the twenty minutes. It's like ah. If if I were to recommend though the opening scene before the title crawl, dude, the opening scene is phenomenal. Like they did a great job of hooking me in, 
even though in the review that we read from IGN, they had mentioned like, hey, it kind of falls off and goes into like a normal Mortal Kombat story and kind yeah. of forgets about Scorpion. That we said that for months leading up to this, that like that's what we were afraid would happen because it happens so many times with Mortal Kombat. I wish that they would get off of this is the 10th tournament. You got to they, they've won nine. Like, can we go to like the fifth tournament? Like what happened? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to know other things in this universe, but they did an amazing job of hooking you because they show you it's it's kind of predictable, but like you still don't you still wish it doesn't come true. Like it's a really good opening. They show Scorpion in a different light. Um it's bloody, it's brutal, it's vicious. Oh, it's Mortal Kombat, it's yeah, gotta be. It pulls no punches. This is not a PG-13 Mortal Kombat. Like, they go yeah. hard into this. Um, so I recommend it from that aspect. Um, you don't have to be a Mortal Kombat veteran to know, like, what's happening. But I will say this. If you're not a Mortal Kombat, like, at least a novice. Like, if you're, you know, you have to be familiar with it because Scorpion doesn't have his signature mask on in the first part. So okay, yeah, you, yeah. You'd, you'd almost ask yourself like, who the fuck's this guy? Who is that? Yeah. yeah so just kind of know that Scorpion at one point was a dude. Um, so it's, it's good. It's just not great. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm might just wait till I catch it or yeah. someone buys it or something like that. And to be honest with you, 80 minutes, not a very long commitment, you know, yeah, short. I watched Sonic. So at this point I'm open to anything. Oh my God. <laughs> I just didn't like Sonic, man. I, I just didn't Shame. like it. Now, this second movie we both saw. Now, uh, I I want to. If it's a, your pick of the week, if this isn't your pick of the week, I'm going to be upset. Well, it wasn't my pick of the week. We already. I, I know because it's here. That's why I'm like, I'm upset. I don't even. What could your pick of the week be to top uncut gems? And and I'll tell you, if if nothing, we we need to talk spoilers because we're going to feel semi differently about this movie. So guys. Fast forward for a couple minutes if you haven't seen it and you don't want the plot spoiled to Uncut Gems. I can't have a spoiler-free conversation about this movie. It it hit me hard, but um, I just – let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So what were your thoughts? You you I think it was your pick of the week before, but you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't dive into it. What was so great about this movie? Well, it, it's just like a, a guy who's in over his head just keeps digging a deeper hole, gambling, trying to get out of it. And then you bring in Kevin Garnett and his ring, and you're not letting him in. You're ditching him. You're dodging. You're 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 taking money from Peter to pay Paul, and just the whole dynamic of it, and just just to see Adam Sandler in this role where you're, you're not used to seeing him in, mm-hmm. he should he should have got an Oscar nod. Yeah, uh, I really loved the movie. Like I really did love it. Um, the ending was satisfying. It wasn't my pick of the week because it didn't hit me as hard as like a parasite. Like it. It didn't stick with me. I, I I enjoyed the living shit out of the journey. I almost think the journey could have gotten there like 20 minutes before it did. I think that's the only thing is like it was it was well paced, but the Safty brothers like have this thing where a lot of the audio mixing is really good, but they talk over each other a lot. Like that's on purpose. It's a New York bustling kind of atmosphere. Um I, I have to give a shout out to Idina Menzel and Julia Fox. They crushed their roles. Yeah. Um, they absolutely Dinah, uh, Dinah Ratner for Idina Menzel. She played uh, Adam Sandler's wife. And then um, Julia DeFaro, I think her name was, but it's Julia Fox. She plays Adam Sandler's side piece. Who, and this was her first acting gig outside of a short film. 
Um, wow, she, and she was fantastic. Yeah, I heard she was like a dominatrix, like right out of high school. It was, it's pretty oh, wild. Wow. It's pretty wild story, but um, she was phenomenal. And Adam Sandler was great. Like this isn't your typical Adam Sandler. Movie. One of his be- one of his best films he ever did. Yeah, I just thought that again the the reason it wasn't my pick of the week is because even though the ending was satisfying as all hell, I saw it coming a mile away. I, I, I didn't see him getting shot like that. I, it was, dude, as soon as they brandished, it was literally, literally Chekhov's gun. That's like the movie theory. Chekhov's gun. If you put something in the movie, you have to use it. If you don't true, use it. True. So, so when he brandished that gun, like, I don't know, 35 minutes before the, 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 the ending actually happened, you knew right away it was going to be used. You didn't know that he was going to shoot Arno, too. Yeah, you, well, you, you, I didn't expect him to get shot right in the head. And just after he just wins this insane bet to to win all this money back to get out of the hole he was, he's got his side piece chicken in Vegas taking the money, getting escorted out. Oh, no, she was in Atlantic oh. City. Oh, it was Atlantic City. Yeah, I thought it was Vegas. Um, now nah, she takes a helicopter over to to AC because it's in New York City. But point being, you're still point point being, it, I a hundred percent saw that coming. Because a he showed the gun and you knew it had to have been used. That's just a movie thing. Um, but the second piece is that's exactly exactly how he should have died. He had the smile on his face. He was happy about it. Like he didn't have he didn't have time to see it, see it coming. So like he just went from the highest he's ever been in his life at one point two million dollars to dead without even having a chance to process. So that, that's kind of like how he wanted to go. I just saw it coming from so long away. It was pretty brutal though, especially when the other dude gets shot in the head. He does this little wiggle before he drops and it scared the living like that that stuck with me a little bit. Um that they killed the other guy, but um good good friggin' movie. Like really, yeah. really good movie. Everyone definitely has to see that. Uh I'm really psyched on it. If if I were to go back um and revise the 2019 list, it would be three or four. Parasite would probably be one. Uh, maybe two. I would kick fighting with my family like off the list entirely. I would probably move yesterday down to maybe two, put Parasite one, and then maybe Uncut Gems three, maybe four. Um, I liked it better than Knives Out. Wow. And I like Knives Out a lot. So 2019 was a great year for movies. I just watched them all in 2020. Yeah, and I was going to say 2020 movies, it's it's up in the air. Yeah, we don't even know yet because holy shit. I mean, I saw Onward. Um, that was wholesome. I loved it. So oh, there you go. All right, uh, that was it. Do you have anything you want to add about Uncut Gems? Just go see the damn movie. Yeah, it was really good. It's out, I think, internationally on Netflix, um, but it's not out yet on the states in Netflix. So I had to rent it the old-fashioned way for Amazon Prime. So uh, it was really, really good. I, I highly recommend watching it. I just saw the ending coming a, a little bit away. And if you're joining us again because you skipped the spoilers uh, without spoiling it, it's, we both agree. Go watch it. It's a damn fine film. Uh, how about San Diego Comic-Con, San? San Diego Comic-Con 2020 has been canceled. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it shouldn't be a surprise, obviously, how you know, usually how huge San Diego Comic-Con is. It's thousands of people show up. Um, I think there's only one or two cons that have yet to be canceled. I think because I just checked Baltimore's Facebook. I think Baltimore is the only con left that's not canceled. Like that or WonderCon, I think, because that's not so they're not till October. 
I mean, San Diego, it's a shame because thousands and thousands of people show up and it's a shame, man. A lot of people look forward to a lot of comic shops, a lot of dealers. They rely on these sales here, and it puts a hurting on everybody. Well, just on, on top of that, Hall H. Like yeah. All the, the movie trailer premieres and film announcements, and like that that's going to take a hurting. Dude, and, and it's, it's like it, it, this 2020 has hurt everybody. It's not just one specific group. It's just the entire world is affected, and I, I don't know how we're going to recover. I saw a tweet earlier today and it just said, man, tomorrow sucks. <laughs> that's great. And I was like, that's perfectly put dude to just know. No, no, it's it just like, sometimes like you see something like that. It's, you gotta laugh. I mean, if you can't like make a little bit, have a little bit of sense of humor out of it, uh, yeah. you're going to have a long, a long quarantine. Yeah. Just to know that you're going to wake up and it's going to still suck. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was pretty goddamn funny. Uh, yeah, so it sucks for all the vendors, um, the comic vendors, the the smaller indie, you know, DIY shops that go there for all the exposure for all the major companies like Marvel, DC, you know, HBO, Warner Brothers that bring out so many movies and TV shows and announcements. This is the E3 for movies, comic books, yeah. TV. So like to not have these two major events that quite frankly, we plan our shows around. Um, yeah. we, we have specials, bonus episodes for these conventions to not have that this year. It affects everyone. And, um, you know, we can say that about so many things in this current environment that we live in. But just another yeah. thing on the list, I think this could have fallen under the weight is the hardest part. But this isn't delayed. It's flat out canceled. I was surprised they didn't just push it back or at least postpone it. Um, similar to like E3, they maybe could have postponed it till later in the year. I'm surprised they didn't do that, but maybe they didn't want to step on other cons' feet. I mean, either that, or maybe something was already booked, or, or, or even if they didn't even want to risk it, they said, you, "You know what? Let's just wait till next year. Wait till all this crap's over with." Because it's, I believe, it's the first time ever the cons ever been canceled. That's correct. Since it yeah. started, first time ever. I wonder if they're going to do something digitally, um, like maybe they'll do like a digital Hall H where they do like a Zoom. Maybe like a Zoom, um, pre- like a, what the hell am I thinking of? The panels, maybe like that could happen. Uh, I mean, I saw a lot of people like on Instagram, a lot of like uh, a lot of dealers that would really be set up at you know a, a whatever con or something that they they made like an online con where yeah they they go to you know they go live for whatever you go forty minutes half hour and then each seller got like their own spot of to sell their book or books or statue, whatever they had. And I thought that was a great idea. It's like, you know what? Why not just have the con at your house? Yeah, that could work. I mean, a digital, I mean, listen, I just saw that thing you do. Um, the, the actors for that thing you do in the band, yeah. they just reunited for that zoom call where we did like a watch along party and it was on zoom. They streamed it on YouTube. It went flawlessly except for Fox copy wrote it. So it got taken down for a little bit. Fuck you. Fox. Yeah, I- I I watched the first twenty minutes, you know, with Giovanni Rabisi came on, Colin Hanks came on, watched it for a little bit, then I then I had to go. Colin Hanks, did you watch it live that night or on demand? No, I, I watched it live. The first twenty minutes I watched live. Oh sweet, dude. Yeah, we were watching it together then. Um, yeah. Colin Hanks is a freaking beast with that movie. Like he, because his dad obviously just starred and directed, but like he was on set for the whole thing. So yeah. like the stories that he brought actually brought more life to the to the event than the dudes in the band or you know the actors i should say because he got he remembered stories from all of them and he was the one watching them film it as opposed to them actually filming it like he got yeah, he, he that, knew more than they did yeah that bird's eye view it was really fascinating yeah uh, it's back on youtube so if you're a fan of that thing you do 
check it out uh, on the Wonders Live YouTube page. It's just as long as the movie is. They go pretty quickly into the movie and they end it pretty quickly after the movie ends. So um, really awesome insight into the movie, the behind the scenes, the actors themselves, Ethan Embry, Steve Zahn, Tom Everett Scott, Jonathan Sheck. They had Colin Hanks on, Gina Bonnie Verbisi, and Nick... Uh, I can't remember his name. He was in Grumpy Old Men. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, so super Not awesome. Eddie's, right? No, no, no. Super no. awesome event. And it sucks that San Diego Comic-Con has been canceled. But maybe they could do something digitally. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, James Gunn, Sam, has no plans, quote, to do a fourth Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, but I thought he said – I think he said that for each of the Guardians. Like he said, I never had a plan for a sequel just to kind of do this one kind of have notions of a second one but like he said because I, I want every time he does his instagram ask me anything i, I always read his answers because he's always you know gives you good answers and he, what his plan was i don't like to stack movies i like to just do one two boom move on to the next thing see what i like you know what i mean i thought that was a good plan that you don't want to stack and kind of plan the next five eight ten years down the road but then why drop the adam warlock teaser at the end of two i mean i mean that that's true but also i, I don't think he was expecting to get you know, obviously get delayed and, you know, I mean, it's not affecting the Suicide Squad because that's still but, coming out next but year. If he but. Sa- but if he says he doesn't plan a next movie, then why would you put a teaser for a next movie at the end of your movie? Well, that was four though, right? Well, you said that he's, you said that he didn't have a plan to do any, the Guardians 3, Guardians well, this. Well, but but remember, um, Kevin Foggy also, he, they told him, okay, give, give an origin story to like Thanos, give it, we need this stone over here, like, or Disney gave them him like a little bit, like a couple of things that he had to include in the movie. So that could have been something that Kevin Feige wanted. Hey, just in case you don't come back, set it up to give the next director something to work with. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, and I read this as he doesn't even plan for there to be a fourth guardians movie at all, much less him at the helm. And that, that I don't know if that like gives any potential spoilers away for how the third one's going to end. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, I don't know if they're going to end up in, back in like any Avengers type crossover stuff or what's going to happen with Thor. I mean, I mean, not even like the director. Again, it's do the actors want to come back and do the roles again? Right. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the thing. I'm, I'm thinking, do they want to come back? Like I'm sure most of them want to do come back. Of course, the Thor would have to make a boatload of money for them to do, which I'm sure they will. But with him directing, I don't know. Warner Brothers has actually dropped new release dates for a crap ton of movies, and we have them here for you. We're going to start off with the Batman. Uh, the Batman was originally October 1st, 2021. Um, I'm sorry. It was originally June 25th, 2021, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is now October 1st, 2021. In what has been delay after delay after question mark after question mark, we were so close to getting the final product, but we're going to have to wait another, you know, four to five months. Yeah, I believe um, Matt Reeves said he, they're about halfway done filming. So that, that's pretty good to hear. At least they're half done. But hey, it's still coming out next year. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Warner Brothers also set new dates for some 2022 movies and a couple of them DC films. The Flash has actually been moved up a month. It was originally July 1st. It is now June 3rd, 2022. While Shazam 2 has actually been postponed from April 1st all the way six months later to November 4th, 2022. So we're well, still two I, years I, away plus. I think that move is more towards for the rock when his Shazam comes in. I think that his was black Adam. You mean? Yeah. It's black. Excuse me. It's black Adam. Yeah. I, 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 to me, it makes sense. You want to kind of set up his story and then maybe tease him at the end of Shazam too. Well, they, I think they were, weren't they doing black Adam? It does. Isn't black Adam going to drop before 
Shazam yeah, no, 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 that's what I'm saying. So I, I think they wanted to push that back to kind of put, make sure Black Adam gets his own spot, give right. him a little bit of time, and then, bam, you could tease him at the end of Shazam 2. Or you could – oh, you mean to come in for Shazam 3 or whatever they do. Yeah, well, I, I figure they might – I doubt he's going to be in at all 2, but I figure at the end of 2, like the end credit teaser, right. you might just see him show up or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, Black Adam is actually supposed to release December 22nd, 2021, so about a year and a half from now. They actually haven't changed that date yet. No. So and, now and, it's, what, a year or so between these two movies? Yeah, I think The Rock, you know, The Rock's been doing a lot of live stuff on IG with his Terramon and Tequila and a lot of questions. With Black Adam, he said, guys, I, I can't wait to do this role. It's still on. I'm training for it. Um, and he's just really excited just to see his excitement for it. Just gets me excited for it, you know? Yeah. And then Warner, Warner Brothers has actually pushed back the, unfortunately, this one sucks, the Soprano sequel film, The Many Saints of Newark. This was on my list of things I was looking forward to this yeah. year. Uh, yeah. September 25th, 2020 is now March 12th, 2021. That one hits hard. I mean, it's not too bad, you know, but, you know, it could have been worse, but, you know. It's in March. We, we, we will be, we'll be all right. It always could have been worse, my friend. Always could have sure. been worse. Uh, sure. They actually added Venom to that list as well, but we we put it in Venom in like a different story. Um, you can add Venom to that list as it will now drop on June 25th, 2021, out from October of this year. So an eight-month delay. Yeah. And not only was it delayed eight months, they made it the worst name film ever in Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Oh, you, you don't like the name at all, huh? That's that. You could do so much better. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people were kind of thinking it was going to be Maximum Carnage. Is there a which, comic run called yeah, Let There yeah, Be Carnage? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that makes it a little what, bit better then. That's why a lot of people were, were thought that was going to be a title and you kind of got this little swerve here. I was just like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I'll take it. Yeah, if Let There Be Carnage is already a comic book like run, then that's fine. Uh I, it's just like let there be light. It's like let there be carnage. I don't know. Oh no, no. I, I was talking about maximum carnage as a comic run. I'm not sure about. I'm, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a comic run. Let there be carnage. But well, if there is, then it that hits a little bit better. But if there's not, uh, that this is just such a silly title. I, I'm not sitting here saying I got a better one or that I've been thinking about this day and night of yeah. what could be better. But like, hey man, did you go see Venom? Let there be carnage. Mm-hmm. I would just say, just let's be thankful that Woody got a new wig. It doesn't roll off the tongue. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I got to. Sony is reportedly developing a live-action One Punch Man movie written by Scott Rosenberg and Jeff Pinkner. I, I don't even know how to feel about it. Like, Have you started One Punch Man yet? Oh, I, I finished. I loved the first season, I think, was my pick of the week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you haven't done I, season two yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't start season two. I talked to Nico a while ago. I thought he said he liked it, but I don't know if he liked the animation. I think he liked the first season's animation better. Yeah, they changed the animators. I, yeah, I, I don't think he was a too too much of a fan for that. But I still got to see it because I thought the first season was really good. A live action One Punch Man movie is is weird to me because like, I get that they made Chris Evans go from scrawny to bulked up in in two thousand whatever it was ten eleven whatever, but. I, who are you going to get to play this guy? I, just, I don't know, but I, I, I saw the boss logic too. It was like The Rock and Kevin Hart. Oh, my God. I was cracking up. I don't know. Like, who are you, who are you like going to get? No, like boss logic made like like it was like one punch man was played by The Rock. And then uh, Kevin Hart was uh, the other guy, the the fire guy. I can't think of his name. But 
Yeah. It was, it was just funny. Yeah. I, to play like a scrawny ass dude with weird eyes and he's bald. Like you really got to nail that casting on it's like, you got to nail it. You have to nail it because I Jason don't. Statham. <laughs> but like he has to lose a hundred pounds of muscle. I, one punch man scrawny. He's not a bulked up dude. Yeah. So I don't know who, what dorky looking dude. Like if, can Michael Sarah shave his head? Like that's all I can think of is like yeah, some dorky I, dude, dude. I don't just anyone but Jesse Eisenberg. I'll be all right. I I already we already know what he looks like with a wig. We don't need yeah. him to have a, a shaved head. Or and bald. I don't need it. Netflix <laughs> has acquired the rights to Elona Holmes, a Sherlock Holmes spinoff movie, and you're asking yourself, what the hell is that news? Well, number one, Enola is awesome because that's alone spelled backwards, and that is a record that Ace Enders put out from the early November. It's called Enola. Yes, it is. Secondly, the movie stars Henry Cavill and Millie Bobby Brown. How the hell is Henry going to have time to fill this, to fill The Witcher? Unless he already did. If he comes back to play Superman, like this guy's a busy dude. He might have already filmed it. I mean, it's a smaller Netflix now movie. It's clearly English, um, like English as in Great Britain. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, you're you're right. They they might have already finished filming. He's this. he's from Britain. You know, so is Millie Bobby Brown. So it's a it's a film in their native country. Um, yeah. A lot of things over there could have been a smaller production. A lot of these actors film one-off things. Like, I know it's a bigger movie now, but at the time it was just an indie, like Marriage Story. You had Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. You'd ask yourself, when do they have time to film that? And then it was fucking nominated for Oscars. And it was one of my – that's it. That was one of my favorites of 2019. So, yeah, just to go back to that, yeah, Uncut Gems was not as good as Marriage Story to me. Maybe, like, right there. Um, okay. and, and marriage story probably jumped yesterday. I watched yesterday again and it, it didn't do it as much for me the second time. Kind of a forgettable cool. movie, but regardless, um, uh, if it's Netflix, I'm, I'm obviously going to give it a watch because it's free. I like Henry. Yeah. I love Millie Bobby Brown. I think she's phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. Shit, I, I love Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, same. The Hunger Games is getting a prequel film based on the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I mean, do we need it? I don't know. I'm kind of over the Hunger Games stuff. Well, now let me ask you this. Were you a fan of the Hunger Games movies when they came out? Well, I actually read the books. Okay. Uh, The the books I thought were obviously, I don't know. I always liked the books for me always a lot better. Um, Now, what is it? Mare Coronalanus? Uh, Coriolanus, I think it is the the mayor, the Mister Snow, or something like that. That's who this film is going to focus on. Eighteen years old before he became the tyrannical president. That's it, the president of Panem. Uh, oh, okay. So it's the before he he starts off good. How does he become such a tyrant or something like that? Yeah, he's handsome and charming. Though the Snow yeah. family has fallen on hard times, he sees a chance for change in his fortune when he is chosen to be a mentor for the Tenth Hunger Games only to have his elation dash when he is assigned to mentor the girl tribute from the impoverished district 12. So uh, it's basically an origin story for, for president snow. Yeah. I mean, I'm in no rush to see it, but I'm a completist. And if it has anything, you know, little ties, I I think I might just have to just to, I mean, not in theaters. I'll I'll wait till that's on HBO or something. Perhaps the biggest story of the night Scoob (laughs) has been dropped as a theatrical release and now will instead debut on VOD video on demand, much like trolls did uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a smart move. I, I don't think we're going to be going to the theaters anytime soon. Even though let's say this is up in a month or two, I can't see people running to the theaters to see new movies. So I think this is a good idea. Well, 
it's Scoob. And I think that like with children's films, especially it makes a lot of sense to release them like this. Like trolls actually had a good reception. Um, people liked it. It, it sold pretty well. And I think when you're talking about kids movies, parents are home with their kids right now. A lot of parents, a lot of parents did, you know, the 24 seven parenting thing. They like it a lot better when they can go to work. Let's call it what it is. I fucking love that I'm home with my kid all day. I don't really get to see her from like eight to five very often, but at the same time, she's right upstairs. I love that. Um, So like a lot of parents are like, fuck this. Like, Oh, I get a two hour distraction here. 20 bucks. There's scoop. Go watch scoop. So it's like a good marketing strategy for the, like the younger kind of kids. No, of, of course it is. You know, and you know, this week, and I think last week people started to get the stimulus check. I didn't get mine yet. But, nah, you know, again, me either. So, I mean, there's that. Let's move on to TV. And again, we're going to do some spoiler talk here. So uh, fast forward a little bit, my friends, if you don't want spoilers for season five of better call Saul, arguably the best season yet. It's, I believe, hands down my favorite season. Um, did I like four better? No, no, I, I would say I, I think I like season five the best. I mean, just just the cast, everyone finally, finally started to click and driving the story to something huge for season six. Now, I want to lay out a theory that I have or a thought that I have on Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. It's not about the plot of the show. It's just about the show as a whole. And I want you to, to tell me if you agree with it or not. Okay. They are two shows that to me, I don't define by season. And as a matter of fact, the events in them kind of bleed into each other to where I just look at them as one big show and not like season by season. Yeah. Like Game of Thrones. I could tell you what happened in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight based on events, episodes, all that stuff that happened in the show. That's most shows I can define by season. This show Season one bleeds into two, bleeds into three, into four, into five. And just like Breaking Bad did before it so well that I look at the show overall as opposed to by season. So I'll just say the last 10 episodes have been 10 of the better episodes. But I don't really look at it like season four was better than five. Because quite frankly, I can't remember if like the Werner stuff with the Germans was season three, four. I don't remember. Yeah. It was was just really good television. Um, but five, but, but again, but I feel like the earlier seasons, it was like a one and two. It was like a little bit different show. You're kind of getting a different side of Jimmy. You're getting his brother with his crazy ass shit. So you know, now it's like it matured into something else. Like you could act, you literally seen him transform into Saul Goodman. I don't think it was the transformation of Saul Goodman that made this a different show though. I think it was the suicide of Chuck McGill that made this a different show. And here's why. In the first, well, I, I, I kind of did say with his brothers you know, dealing with his crazy shit, and after was kind of like it's not that the though. fallout of that. It's not even that. It's not even the fallout of that. I think it was the actual event of him kicking over that that torch or that uh, lantern that actually made the show combine into one. Because before that, there were it was an A story and a B story. The A story was Jimmy and Chuck, and the B story was Nacho, Mike, and and Gus, and the cartel stuff. And it was clearly two different storylines going down two different paths. But once Chuck died and Jimmy like started to get into Mike's business a little bit more and those stories became one story, that's when, to me, the show changed because now I'm not watching plot A and plot B and deciding which one hits more. I'm watching the show because right now, what's plot B? It's just Jimmy. It's just, like 
you can say no, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that because you still have the other play with Lalo and stuff. But like, but that's but happening. but Jimmy works for Lalo now. It's all but, intertwined. But technically, like I'm, I'm more talking about like the like, more like leading up to the finale, saying like, yeah, Jimmy had like something to do with it. But what happens at the finale that was out of his hands. Sure, you know what I mean. Sure, I would argue that probably the closest to a B story that we have this season is actually Nacho's arc. Um, is he he's kind of going off his own thing because here's the thing about Breaking or Better Call Saul it's a prequel series so we know who makes it and who doesn't yeah. at least into the world of Breaking Bad now, exactly exactly now we don't know how we don't know if they're dead or just go back to Mexico or if Kim goes back to wherever she grew up Oklahoma or Kansas City wherever like we don't know that so that's what keeps us interested and that's what keeps us on the hook like wh- what happens to Nacho what happens to Kim um, in season two, episode eight of breaking bad, uh, the episode was called better call Saul. It's when, it's when, um, Jesse and, and Walt take Saul out into the desert and they like have the ski masks and put the gun to his head. And then you hear Walt coughing and then, uh, Saul knows it's him yeah. in that scene. When he, they put the gun to his head, he goes, it was Ignacio. It was Ignacio. And it was Lalo that he actually mentions Nacho and Lalo is the only time they get mentioned in the whole Breaking Bad universe. But I thought that was genius that they now have these expanded stories to that like can connect the two shows, even though you never see those characters. Yeah, what, what I think I might do after, obviously, we get the finale next year of season six of Better Call Saul. Yeah. I might just go back just to rewatch Breaking Bad because you're going to understand. Like, I feel like so much more. You're going to just get more of the show. I think. Yeah, I've I recently little watched Breaking that, Bad. Little parts that you missed. Yeah, I I recently watched Breaking Bad before I rewatched Better Call Saul, and just because Breaking Bad's still my favorite show ever, I pretty much got that on lock, and it's it is still cool to like. Like I, I think I said this before when it was my pick of the week. Like even the dickhead lawyer in Breaking Bad who was listening to say anything, and they fuck up. Walt fucks up his car. He makes an appearance, and like all these. The, the freaking receptionist. They tell you how they hire the receptionist for Saul's law firm. You never see her in Breaking Bad, like with major lines, except for when she's trying to kick Jesse or Walt out of the, the office. But they make her a major character for five or six episodes. Like they yeah. do a really good job of bringing minor things into a major uh, light in Better Call Saul, but also bringing in characters like Nacho, like Lalo, like Kim, who really keep you on your toes. And even like Chuck who did a great job. I think the person, one of the people that I'm most interested to see how their story arc ends and why they're no longer in Albuquerque is actually Howard Hamlin. Yeah, dude, I, 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 I was just typing in better call Saul, my computer just to get his name, right? Because he is the actor, the character, Fantastic. Yeah, he had in this Patrick Fabian is his name. In this series finale, Mr. Fabian, uh, aka Howard or Howard Hamlin, he only really had, you know, one big part. They were, they, they were in the elevator for a minute, but it was after the elevator when he pulls Kim into the room and says, "Hey, I just want to let you know Jimmy threw bowling balls through my car." And Kim just laughs at him. That to me was when, well, she probably broke bad a little bit before, but this yeah, is Kim uh, yeah. breaking bad. A 100%. I'm I'm super interested to see how that kind of ends up. And if like, does Howard, does HHM go out of business in season six? Does he relocate out of New Mexico? Like, does he get bought out by Schweikert and Coakley? Like, 
who knows? But I'm super excited to see what happens to HHM because we know they're not around. In, in I was going to say, or, or Jimmy and Kim do that plan and kick him out of practice, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were plotting against them a little bit there. Yeah, you never the know. Of, yeah, that's a good point. Um, overall, <clears throat> what were some highlights and maybe some lowlights of the season for you? I, I think that one of the highlights is, you know, more scenes with Lalo. We only got to see him, you know, a couple scenes here. We actually got to see more of him, kind of not just be a badass, kind of like, you know, act a little bit more besides being the badass. Yeah. Um, and anytime, any, anytime I see Mike is great. We, we always know uh, Odin Kurt Bob is fantastic as Saul. Anytime to see him on screen is fantastic. See, I think one of the lowlights is Mike. I don't think Mike is a very strong character in this show. He, that whole brooding thing over his son and like the drinking binge like that was weak to me. He's getting back now because he's like once he took out his sniper in the desert to save yeah. Jimmy, he was no, back. Like that's no, the Mike we know. Wh- and love. Which is the which is probably the biggest episode for him, at least for me, coming back for that and going through what they went through. And I was like, okay, that's yeah. the Mike I remember. That's I I will agree with you. Bagman season five episode eight. That was the Mike episode outside of like the Jimmy one because no that that was me like he's back baby yeah that was. That was, that was the moment for me. Yeah. Mike, Mike had a really weak storyline. I really loved his whole thing with Werner um, and having to kill him. Like that was, that actually, and that stuck with me a little bit. Cause I really I, I, I enjoyed that. And I think another reason why I like Mike, I just like him and Gus Fring's relationship where yeah. he's, he's not his, like he he's talking back to him. He goes, oh, I don't like this or, you know, I'm done. I'm out. Like I, I like that back and forth. Like, he had to work him a little bit to get him. Yeah. That's what I really like. We should pull out Nacho. Like, who's going to say that to, to Gus Fring? You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's yeah. why you have to like Mike. Yeah. And I don't, I think after eight, I think like the last season and a half, it was kind of weak, a little bit better with the German stuff, but like the brooding Mike with the alcohol thing didn't do it for me. But like now that he's the Mike Ermintrout that we know in Breaking Bad, he's definitely, um, he's definitely kind of, uh, what's the word? Like, re. I can't think of the word right now, but he's like, he's back. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said he's yeah, back, baby. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the word, but he, uh, he's good. Lalo is just one of the best villains this show in the universe, Breaking Bad included, has ever had. Oh, and I love freaking seeing, uh, what's his name, come back. Um, God damn it. I can't think of his name. The, the, the big, you see him at the end of the, the finale. He was from Breaking Bad. The, 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 big, the big head honcho. Don Eladio? Yeah, Don. Uh, played by the guy that was in Scarface with Al Pacino. Yeah, Eladio. When he comes back. Yeah, Eladio. That's it. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of his goddamn name. Yeah. I'm having a brain fart. Yeah, I don't know his name in real life, but Don Eladio, when he has the when he pulls up with the car and the trunk in the front and stuff. Fantastic. Was, yeah. Sorry, I'm look, I have to get his name. I'm freaking out. It's all good. Uh, Saul Steven Good, man. Steven Bauer. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Bauer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole Don Eladio stuff is good. Like, it's tense when he when he pulls Nacho aside and says, "How are you going to make me money?" and and stuff like that. Like I appreciate. Oh that. God, dude, that was all tense. What did you think of before we get into our top three of the night, which is going to be our top three favorite Better Call Saul characters, not named Jimmy? Uh, what did you think of the the ending of the finale? We'll start when Nacho goes out at three o'clock in the morning and Lalo's there. Oh my God! What did you think of that whole ending scene? <laughs> All, all inside, once all the guys went in, I said, uh oh, this isn't going to end the way Nachos think it's going to end. Yeah. And it, I, like, it just, it had the tension. 
that, that have you like, what the hell do you, like, what's going to happen next? It just, and then it just ends and you're like, I got to wait till next year. I don't know. I, I, I was hyped after that finale. I, I thought that was, that was their best one yet. Yeah. I think the, the turning point in that finale was when Lalo left the bathtub up for the dudes to clearly find the tunnel. Like I, I hated that he had a tunnel and I was like, great, he's just going to get away. But then when he left the tub up, and he had the plan of I'm going to go through the tunnel and then I'm going to come back in the house and kill him from behind. And it worked for the most part. Like yeah. that was really smart on his part. I'm just sitting there thinking like, like it, how long did it take those dudes to get from the damn kitchen to the bathroom? And that was a long tunnel. And to just look down and fire. Like they could have got him 10 times if they wanted to. But at the same time, it's a very well-written show. It was tense. Lalo yeah. just showed again how maniacal he is. Now, yeah. um, in Breaking Bad, there's a point where they say when Hector dies, when he blows up, they say when Hector dies, the Salamanca name dies with him. That, to me, implies that Lalo is dead, but he's clearly yeah. still alive now, and he will be the main villain in season six. He's clearly going after Nacho. Um, so that arc's going to come to a head. Do you think Lalo dies, or do you think that – he uh, disappears or runs away or something like that. Well, I mean, as of right now, everyone thinks he's dead. No, but I mean, just like in the, at the end, like when it's all said and done. Oh, when it's all said and done, I mean, I'm sure he's going to meet his end. Mm-hmm. I, 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 cause he, you, you didn't see him in, 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 in break a bit. It wouldn't make sense, but I, I he's not going to go down without a fight. That's for damn sure. Yeah. I think that if he's alive, it's because he's in hiding somewhere, but I'm more likely to think that him and Nacho actually kill each other. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Yeah, I can like, see it happen. It's like a quick shootout and boom, 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 and they both die. Like, I can see that. I think Better Call Saul is too smart to kill off two major characters in one scene. They might want to stretch that. So I don't know if that makes sense. But regardless, let's get into our top three because it was another excellent season for, for Better Call Saul. Let's get into our top three favorite characters from the show, but not Jimmy McGill. We cannot go with Saul. Yeah, because obviously it would, it would always be Saul. My number three, it's it's Mike Engeltrout. I say his last name. Airman Trout. Airman Trout. But between from him in the beginning of being a police officer, parking lot attendant, yeah, to him kind of becoming the bodyguard, and then eventually becoming the cleaner, you just kind of see the evolution of, of Mike. And and again, like we said before, he's the only one to basically question Gus Ring or 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 stick up for himself, saying no, I'm not going to do this for you, or let's go save this guy. It just to me that was like that's the Mike I know, and like we said, episode eight was like okay, that's Mike. Obviously played by Jonathan Banks, one of my favorite characters on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I like Engeltrout. That was probably much better. Let's stick with yeah, Mike. Ma- let's stick Mike with Engeltrout. Engeltrout. <laughs> uh, my number three is like Chuck Eng- Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> uh, that's my, a singer if you don't know. My number three is Chuck McGill. Um, nice. Can't go wrong with Chuck. I think Chuck was such a smartly written character for almost for the sole reason that he is the only character in the entire show besides Jimmy that truly knows Jimmy. Yeah, he, he knows Jimmy the best. Michael McKean was the actor playing his name, yeah, uh, playing him, by the way. Yeah, he he was right about Jimmy all along the whole time, had him down dead to rights. And at the end, his love slash hatred for his brother slash shame it all culminated in his suicide. And it was like, I was, I, cause you know, he doesn't make it to breaking bad. And I was wondering how he was going to die. 
I yeah. always thought he was going to meet his end. I never thought he would like just move. He was kind of too stubborn for that. Yeah. Um, and for him the to take his own, get him. yeah, for him to take, right. For him to take his own life with kicking over a lantern that they even foreshadowed later when, uh, Jimmy took the pictures of the lanterns under the, on top of the newspapers. Yeah. It was brilliant writing. And I, I just love Chuck McGill. Great character. I, he's not on my list, but he definitely was thought of. My number two is Lalo Salamanca. So is mine. Played by T- Tony Dalton. Uh, just to see his crew, obviously, he's the nephew of Hector, cousin of Tuco. And, like, obviously, like, it was like episode what, nine and 10. You see it. Like, the only time you only got little, little, little shots of him being menacing. That was it. This in four. Actually, in season yeah, four. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah you, get, you get little teases of him. Yep. This one, you actually get to see him branch out, like when he when he brings Nacho to his family, met the grandma that raised him, his his cousins. Like you just see how, like how he could be sweet, he could be suave, not just kind of this this menacing guy. But when he's menacing, he's freaking menacing. Yeah, he's awesome. He was also my number two. He's the best villain, I think, probably in the show's history, including Breaking Bad. Like I like him as a villain better than Gus. Um, I I love Gus. Gus is probably number four for me. I might like the skinheads better because that's just how the show ends and how they fucking torture Jesse. Like they were great villains. Like Todd, actually, you know what? Todd is probably the best villain in the show. But um, Lalo's, you you hated him so much. Yeah, Lalo's phenomenal. The best thing about Lalo is his smile. He is so like he's so friendly. And means absolutely none of it. He truly loves and cares for the people in his life. But if you're not in his life, in his crew, oh, God. forget about it. When he killed that kid at Travel Wire, I was like, fuck, man. Uh, and yeah, I, that's a bad dude. Yeah, so Lalo is a great character. I agree, my number two as well. My number one, which I think could be yours, it's either one, it's either him or Kim, Nacho Varga. Nacho Varga is my number one yeah. as well. Played by Michael Mando. And dude, every... It, it like from the beginning of the, of the seat when we first saw him, any scene he was in, if it was with his dad, his cousin, whatever, he had my 100%, 100% focus. Not just because he was in Spider Man, not just because he is Scorpion. Not, he is a freaking great actor, and I feel like he stole every scene he was in. Yeah, I think the, the thing that turned me on to his character the most was when he had that interaction with the dude who he stole his baseball cards. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The pharmacist guy who gets him all those drugs. Uh, yep. I, I love. Hey, he almost made my list. Like I love that character. He buys the Hummer and shit. Like so dumb. Um, he's actually in another show, like with vampires. It's like a comedy. What they do in the dark or something. And, and was he in Far Cry or something? That that video game. I can't remember. Um, I think he was. Now you're talking about Nacho. Yeah, Nacho. Yeah, he was the. I think he was the um, main antagonist of Far Cry Three. Uh, pretty sure. Far Cry 3. Yep. Yeah. Boss Montenegro. Yeah. One of the greatest villains in the history of video games. He was great. But, uh, and that's where I know his voice from, actually. They actually kind of made him look like him now that I didn't, I didn't know that before just now. I just took a guess because. Okay. And rumor, sense. he might be in the next Far Cry. That's the rumor. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm happy that he's still around in Better Call Saul. I'm like, I'm happy he didn't meet Same. his end yet. Uh, like you said, I think you said it best. Every scene he's in, he kind of steals it. Um, from trying to kill Tuco and Mike talking him out of it and just growing that relationship and just like how many people this dude influenced and like even almost kind of being a mentor to crazy eight in a way, like yeah. he, he used to be the one to collect the money and now crazy eight does with Hector on the shelf. So just like really great character that uh, I'm glad they mentioned briefly in breaking bad. And I'm really excited to see where his arc ends. Albeit I don't think it will end in a positive way. 
Yeah, sadly, I don't think so either. <laughs> so that will do it for our top three for the week, our top three characters from uh, Better Call Saul, not named Jimmy. Now back to the news, HBO Max will officially launch May 27th. Kind of fast. I wasn't expecting it this soon. Oh, well, they, they, they're short on content, and yeah. they need to capitalize on all this craziness, and they're going to be late to the party. This is going to be towards the tail end of, of our, the life as we have now. And we hope. At, we right, hope. At least, not at the end, but like the tail end. Like, it'll probably be on, at least on its way down by, by the 27th of May. That's a, that's a month and change from now. Um, I, it's just like you lost the Friends thing at launch. They lost a couple other shows that had to get delayed. Like, you're going to launch with shit we already know and maybe some other smaller known original content. It's like for 15 bucks, there's no fucking value here. Nah, dude. There's no. The only thing that makes me sign up day one is is the the Zack Snyder cut. If that doesn't come out, I ain't getting HBO Max. They it ain't is. doing it. They that's, ain't that's, doing it. You know when they'd have done it? When they released, when they announced the release date. That would have been the perfect thing to get people hyped and as like the accompanying announcement. Now that they didn't do that, I have no hope that that thing's coming at least this year. Yeah. Same. Sadly. And you're right, sadly, because I would be on board with that. I would pay – well, I would get the free trial and I would – at least – and I would watch that Snyder Cut right right away. No, no, you get it free if you're an HBO subscriber. So fuck it. I'm good. Yeah, so you're good. Yeah, I'm good. I just just want to see what Zach had. That's all. I I just – everyone shit on him. It wasn't his movie. You, you gotta, you know, you gotta give him, gotta give him a fair shake. This podcast or this news story has turned from HBO Max's release date into a Snyder Cut conversation, which I always appreciate. <laughs> yeah, anytime I can bring it up, I, I mention. The Mandalorian season three is reportedly already in pre-production at Disney Plus. I mean, obviously that's that's great news, but something that I believe both of us saw coming, just because of how successful season one is and how many people are biting at the bit for season two. Yeah, this was. To me, this was less news and more inevitable. Yeah, same. It's, it's like... And there's no way that we're going to cancel it after the second season. It's impossible. Now, now Netflix has done some weird shit with this. Like, they've canceled some really popular shows, but Disney Plus doesn't have the library yet to, like, make a giant cancellation or whatever. They yeah, know that true. The Mandalorian was the sole reason for a lot of people getting the network. That's why they're dropping that documentary in a couple weeks. Yeah, which, of course, we're going to have to watch. And we'll probably have our impressions of on this podcast. Yeah, we got it. Westworld has been renewed for season four. I'll tell you, I'm fucking out. I, I mean, I still never went back to – like, I loved season one. I, I, I might have got four or five episodes in, in season two. Like, I would have to rewatch the entire season two. I, 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 to be honest, I didn't even hear a lot of people talking about season three. So I don't even know if it's good or bad. Besides my boy Aaron Paul, I have heard that it's been very yeah. up and down. Like one good episode followed by two pretty bad ones followed by a great one. Like it's it's very inconsistent. Yeah, which sucks. I don't need inconsistent right now. I need consistent. That's why I'm yeah. back watching Psych for the tenth time through because it's just consistently awesome. Um, that's why I love Ozark and that's why I love Breaking Bad. It's just consistent good TV. This I gave up after season seven of episode one, and I and I do not see myself ever, ever going back to it. And it's not for like that I don't, you know, think it could rebound. It's just like when I found out that it wasn't a western, like it said it was gonna be. I'm out. I love westerns. 
I just yeah, wanted more. Yeah. De- I just want Deadwood in 2020. That's all I want, really. Hey, we got the movie. We did get the movie. Uh, finally, in the uh, movie section or TV section, I'm sorry. Before Sam takes over in gaming, this, uh, there has actually been a Disney Plus reported Star Wars series, female led. So Disney Plus is developing a female led Star Wars series from the Russian doll co-creator Leslie Headland. Uh, we just keep getting Star Wars series after Star Wars series after Star Wars series, and we still only have one to watch. Jesus. Yeah, we still we still only have the one. Jesus again, Christ. Hey, they get a, a female-led Star Wars, maybe if, it, if it's the female Mandalorian, if it was something like that, if it was like her story, how she kind of came to be the, you know, the, the welder. I mean, I, I'm going to watch it no matter what it is, but if it was something with her in it, I'm 110%. I couldn't be less interested in how the fuck she became the welder. Well, just she was a badass. Like, how did she get there? Like, I know she's a badass. But let me get – that's all I want is that mystery around how she got there, and I'm good with that. I can imagine that this will be a show for young girls, uh, that inspirational female-led, that Ray storyline of like – So you think it's going to be a a young character, not like a Gina Carino? No, 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 no. I don't think it will be Gina, but I mean like – I don't mean a young girl. I mean four young girls. Like the inspirational rags-to-riches – kind of role model series because we have that in film. We have that with Ray, but I don't think we necessarily have that over a 10 episode or multi-season arc yet. And I don't think it'll be a Jedi, you know, Skywalker thing, but I think this is going to be a character that starts with little ends up as, you know, the main protagonist, whether that's, you know, material riches or powers or both. I don't know. I don't necessarily need a female Mandalorian. I, I think there are enough species in Star Wars. It'll probably most likely be a humanoid character. Yeah, um, I think so too. 99% probably a humanoid character. Maybe maybe she'll be blue. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this to me is going to be the inspiring female lead like Ray was for the younger generation. Yeah, I agree. I'll take you over in gaming. We start off, we got an impression. Hope I don't butcher it. Kawhi Dentu Desu. I was waiting for you, and you got it right. Hey, I've been waiting for this one all that. week, man, uh, to hear you say that. Kawhi Deathu Desu, and I, I do want to shout out uh, East Asia Soft for giving us a copy of this game for review. So this was not a game I had purchased. This was a game that we were asked to review on the pod from East Asia Soft, the company that published Twin Breaker, a Sacred Symbols adventure, Colin Moriarty's game. So, of course, I was very, very happy to uh, oblige that. Uh, request and I'm very happy to say that while this game won't win any awards and it won't uh, it's not like on the level of Twin Breaker and it's not you know one of my favorite indie games of all time this is a goddamn enjoyable game and I'll tell you it's weird as shit it just by the title you can tell that yeah it's, it's simplistic in its gameplay hook and if you don't like the gameplay hook you will not play it it's the same thing over and over but like it was unique enough for me to keep playing. So what this game is, it's a very anime waifu type deal, right? It's very oh. like scantily clad anime girls yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they are uh, they are music fans and they are the Grim Reaper in a waifu suit, basically. Um, okay. <laughs> and they are musicians that go up on stage. And you play as them on the concert stage and you have rabid fans running left to right that you have to kill with your scythe. 
your scythe. Oh, okay. That, that is that's different. It's it's so fucking weird. And the controls, think of it. I'll put it in PlayStation controls for you. That way you know where I'm talking about. Okay. Imagine the only two buttons that you could hit are L1 and L and uh, R1. L1 and R1. That's it. Right and nice left. And, wow, nice and easy. So you have crazy fans running from the right and running from the left. You know what this would be? It would be a great mobile game with touch controls. Um, maybe hell it is. I don't even know, but it, you, you know, they're coming from both sides and you have to quickly, like I'm talking fast as shit reflexes. It kept me on my toes. Uh, you know, left, left, right, 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 left, left. And they have health bars. So some die in one hit, some die in three, some die in two. So like, you got to be fast as shit with your reflexes and you got to kill these people before they hit you. You have a life bar after four or five hits, you die. And if you kill enough of them in a row, you get a special meter, which unlocks a special move, which gives you this crazy big scythe that like wipes out half the screen. And it's fast and fa- like fast paced and crazy action. And I really enjoyed it. You actually have to beat both e- uh, each stage twice to advance to the next one. And it gets hard. I got. Oh, yeah, st- I, figured, I figured it was like an easy, then a harder. Something. I got to stage four and I died four times. Like Damn. I couldn't get past stage four. It was. It's really, really hard. And you go on a world tour. So you start in Japan, then China. You go to the United States. No. And you kill a bunch of people. It's no. fucking nuts. I, I was going to say, it's good to hear that a game that you only need two buttons is hard as shit. Yeah. It's, like, that's cool. That's like, cool. Like I said, it's it's the same thing over and over. It's like, hit these two buttons, kill these people. If you don't like it, you're not going to like it. But like yeah. for those like funny, waifu-obsessed weirdos on Twitter, <laughs> like... This would be a perfect game for you. Um, it's only like four bucks or something like that on the Nintendo. Okay, Nation. okay, that perfect price point. So it's it's not a big lift in terms of price points. Maybe maybe it's five bucks on a bad day. I know it's on sale now. If you're if you're listening to this episode relatively close to when it's launching, uh, it's Kawaii Deathu Desu. The only thing that I'm like, wow, this is not my favorite. Would be the controls in the menu. For example, Sam. When you want to confirm something on PlayStation, you would hit what button? X. When you want to go back, what button? Triangle or, or circle. Or circle, right? I think circle. But yeah, either one. Flip that. Confirm no. is B, and and the other thing is A. Go back is A. And I'm like, Okay, I, I see what you're what? saying. I got you. So my, in my brain, to go to the next screen, I hit A, and it sends me back to the goddamn title screen. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? And to play yeah, the game, so you got to hit B and then B and then B. And I'm like, guys, I get it. B is where X is on the controller. So it makes sense. Like, I get that. But in my head, B means back. A means go. You're fucking with my senses here. You're fucking with my senses. <laughs> and I don't appreciate that East Asia soft. But yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's on the cheap. It's like mindless fun. It's um, the voice acting. They say the same thing over and over. But the music is cool because you're at concert venues and it changes from country to country. So uh, it, I probably you know gave it a little bit of time in the sun here, but uh, I enjoyed it. It's, you know, worth a couple bucks, and I enjoyed the loop. It's just it's really hard. Yeah, that's good to hear that you, that you you enjoyed it for the most part. Yep. But our favorite, we got the March NPD. And just like last month, I hope that this is becoming a growing trend. Uh, we had it in February. We have it in March. I hope we have it again for April's NPD. I have the top 20 games. Okay. So number 20, and this came out at the very end of March, so I'm happy that the, it made the list. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered Campaign. You're always going to 
the roadway for that. Yeah, number 19, Mortal Kombat 11. Number 18, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number 17, Just Dance 2020. Thanks to it being like 50% off on Nintendo right now. Number 16, Madden NFL 20. Number 15, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX. Number 14, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Number 13, FIFA 20. Number 12, Red Dead Redemption 2. Nice. Number 11, Neo 2. Not not Noah. Yeah, not Noah. <laughs> Neo 2. Number 10, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Good shit. Number 9, Borderlands 3. Number 8, Grand Theft Auto 5. God damn it. <laughs> oh, that's freaking game. Uh, number 7, Persona 5 Royal. Number 6, Doom Eternal. Number 5, NBA 2K20. Number nice. 4, Resident Evil 3. No surprise. Number 3, MLB The Show 20. Number 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. What the hell could beat a Call of Duty? Oh, number 1, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, I was going to say, I was like, it can't be Final Fantasy. It wasn't out yet. You ready for this? The third fastest selling Nintendo game ever. Wow. Had a better launch than Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I mean, well, it came out at a, at a perfect time. It sure did, and it caught you know? the it caught the the spirit of every Switch player. It's half the reason why Switches are like sold out everywhere. Yeah, I, I believe that, and why there's people have over eighty hours gameplay on it. Yeah, and uh, and now at this point, dude, it's been out for a month and two days. People have hundred hours into it. Oh easy, my god! Plus. So, um. I told you before I hadn't played it since the Thursday before we interviewed Austin Reese. Yeah. I have still not picked it back up. I think I'm out. Damn. Think I'm Damn. out. Damn. Hey, at least you gave it a fair shake, though. You can thank Shriver for that. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I'm just not like a decorator guy. And so yeah. when I did all the cool tasks and I built up my island and I brought people to it and I got it the look in the way I did, I'm just kind of happy with it. Yeah. Okay, nothing wrong with that. So, like, there's a couple events that we'll talk about in a minute that, like, I'm cool with. Like, I played the Easter one for a minute. Like, that was nice. Um, like, I'm happy with that. I played uh, – oh, I'm sorry. There's an Earth Day one going on now that we'll talk about. Like, that might have me log on for a minute just to get some of the exclusive items. But, like, what am I going to do with them? I have an Easter egg dresser drawer. What the fuck am I doing with that? <laughs> Yeah, throw, throw that out. It's in my virtual bathroom right now. Like I don't, I don't have a, I don't want it. So, like I'm not huge into the decorating thing, into like the customizing thing. I, I got what I wanted out of it. It gave me, you know, thirty really fun hours. Maybe it's a type of game where maybe I'll come back to it eventually, pick it up, and fall in love with it again. And I don't hate it. I just, I think I'm out. I'm ready to move on. Yeah. I'm playing in sixty four. Streets of Rage is coming up, as we'll we'll talk about in a minute. So I'm 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 happy to be out. Well, not in a minute. We're gonna say it right now. Streets of Rage Four finally got a release date and price. Dude, twenty five bucks. Huge news. Twenty five bucks, right? So not bad on the price point. That's like the perfect price I was kind of hoping dude, for. Dude, twenty five is perfect. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for twenty five bucks, and at the same time, April thirtieth. Dude, eight days, eight days yeah. from when we record this podcast. Now, did they say will physical copies be available, or is it just digitally only? Or? So, so it's a digital indie release. But there's this company called Limited Run Games that does 
like special edition physicals of indie games and like okay. games you normally wouldn't be able to find. They actually picked this up and did PS4 and Switch only, no Xbox um, or PC. They did special physical copies for those. Awesome. I think they were 40. So it's not terrible because not, it's, it's not too bad. You can get a steel book or you can get the reversible cover art. You can get the Japanese one and the American one. It says bare knuckle instead of streets of rage, the Japanese title. So it's cool. Um, and you get the, obviously you get the cartridge as opposed to the download. I want this game so bad that yeah. this will be a digital download for me. And because it comes out on the 30th, which I believe is the next day we record. Uh, it is. Um, I'm going to have probably an hour or two of it played from that midnight before that. I awesome. will so we'll get a little, to, sneak peek. Yeah. You'll be, uh, you'll get my early impressions into it, which I'm super excited to give you. Awesome. Super Mario maker two gets an insane final update. Yeah. This game didn't and listen. It's a $5 million or a 5 million unit seller. So it's not like it failed, but the first Mario maker was uh, arguably more popular, and that was on the Wii U. This one just didn't grab as many folks. I, I couldn't tell you why. Uh, maybe because all these great levels were already made in the first one. Maybe just the, the juices weren't flowing to a lot of creators. I'm not sure. It's a really good game, but they've kind of abandoned it. And there's very credible rumors out there by very credible reporters that have said this game was supposed to get Super, Mar- uh, Super Mario 2 as one of its skins and it never did. And because of COVID and because of its sales numbers, not being what Nintendo wanted, they're not going to do it. So what did they do? They took every single thing they were working on for the future and just gave it to us now in one shot. And they gave us a ton. And by the way, it's available now. We'll start off with the world maker. You can now make your own game as opposed to your own level. Wow. You can make how cool is that? You can make up to 40 courses over eight different worlds, have bosses, have castles, have one-up rooms, all of it just like a normal Mario game. You can build your own game. That is insane. Yeah, you can share it right to others. You can put it right out there to your friends list. So you have a lot of options there to build your own Mario game. This to me, a lot of people were like, oh, there's no reason for Nintendo to ever release another 2D Mario game. Like, yes, they yeah, yeah, they yes, there is. These people are fucking geniuses. Don't worry about it. They'll come out with another 2D Mario eventually. Uh, maybe not anytime soon, but eventually. Yeah, a couple years. Uh, they also announced, uh, what is it, seven, I think? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, seven new bosses. And that's the Koopa Kids from Super Mario 3. Um, they're in Smash Bros. You can play as them all. They're in Mario Tennis, maybe. Uh, I can't remember what other Mario games they're in, but uh, like Lemmy and Morton. Freaking Lenny and uh, Wendy, like they're all now available as boss characters. They have their characteristics from the Mario games. They're not just skins of Bowser Jr. So you can now add them to your to your game. I'm a, like picturing somebody making like a gauntlet where you have to fight all eight of them with limited resources. Like that could be pretty cool. Uh, they have new power ups introduced to the game. And like I was just saying, Mario Two was supposed to be a skin in the game. They didn't make it, but they gave us the mushroom from Mario 2 that transforms you into the Super Mario Brothers 2 Mario where instead of when you jump on an enemy it kills it in this just like in Mario 2 for NES when you jump on an enemy you can actually pick him up and carry him around and throw him which adds oh, a cool. whole new dynamic to that game a new way to get coins and stuff like that and people have already built some crazy levels 
uh, with that mechanic. So really cool for that. They have the frog suit from Super Mario 3 where you can now swim through the water where it's like just like you're running. It's pretty fast. Uh, they have the balloon power up from Super Mario World. That's awesome. They have the squirrel suit from New Super Mario Bros. and Super Mario Bros. U. Uh, they have the cannon box, a power block, a Goomba costume, a Bullet Bill costume. All these things with brand new characteristics where with the cannon box, you can shoot a bullet into a pipe and it comes out the pipe the other side and it can kill an enemy. Like new inventive ways to play the game. This is the biggest update they ever released. They gave it all at one shot and it's free and available right now. So if you have Mario Maker 2, download it, get back into the game. And if not, this is the perfect time to pick up Super Mario Maker 2. Wow, good on Nintendo. Animal Crossing New Horizons is getting another free event update. Yeah, and it's getting a bunch. They actually announced a lot of them with this update. Uh, This update particularly is adding an art gallery to um, the museum. I can't remember the... The damn owl's name, Blathers is his name, I believe. His museum is now getting an art gallery, which a lot of people, and even people on our social media, shout out to Anthony and Jamie, were super psyched on this news because they've been waiting for an art gallery. So you're going to get that. There's two new people with shops that you can buy from. You have uh, Leaf, the sloth gardener, who sells bushes and other landscaping supplies. And you also have Red, who's a, quote, shady vendor who will anchor his treasure trailer to your island's northern beach to sell art and uniquely colored furniture. So, um, that's neat. Yeah, this guy, Red, he doesn't sell in town, he sells on the outskirts. Um, so that's kind of cool that, again, they're, uh, they're adding new things to this. The sloth guy looks fucking scary, but um, they added multiple events. They added Nature Day from April 23rd to May 4th. That's actually going to be like a spin on Earth Day because we know Earth Day is, well, the, I think it's today, the day we're recording. Um, they have added uh, May day from May 1st to 7th. You can use a ticket to head out to a unique Island with a special guest you may have met before. Um, they have international museum day for May 18th to 31st tour the museum and collect stamps at the exhibits to earn an award. And then they have wedding season. Maybe you can crash it from June 1st, from June 1st to 30th, head to Harv's Island to help take wedding anniversary photos for Reese and Cyrus, a married llama couple. You'll get wedding themes, wedding themed items for your efforts. Um, so just again, they're, they keep pumping out new events, new seasons, new costumes, new updates, all of this across animal crossing and Mario maker completely free. Like you can't beat that with a stick. No. I mean, you, you beat anything with a stick, but that, that's great. Metroid prime trilogy on switch and super Mario 3d world remastered both showed up on best buy's website. So only to be quickly taken down. Yeah. It gives credence to those rumors. Um, a little bit, especially about the, the Mario remastered rumor that we heard that definitely gives a little bit to it. Cause this isn't just like, it's not Amazon, you know, Nigeria it's best buy, uh, pretty, pretty big, you know, box retailer to have something leak on their website. Generally, where there's smoke, there's fire there. So to see Mario 3D World Remastered and Metroid Prime Trilogy show up for Switch on that website and then be taken down before anything, that tells me that these are real and I'm just now waiting on these goddamn announcements. Yeah, they got you speculating. Peaky Blinders is getting a video game? Yeah, a puzzle adventure game. It's hitting this summer. It's called Peaky Blinder Masterminds. There's a trailer available now. So if you want to check out the trailer, if you like the show, you might like the game. 
I'm out, and I'm surprised that you're also out. Yeah, I mean, I love this show, but uh, puzzle adventure game, uh, I'm good. I'll, I'll just play Uncharted. Sam doesn't like his think pieces. He just likes yeah. to shoot people and beat people with a giant sword. Well, I mean, hey, some puzzle pieces. You got you to put some puzzles together. That is right. You know, Uncharted. That, I mean, that got awards, same thing. Yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, in the music section, Man Overboard's Nick Bruzzese has released two debut singles from his solo project, Casa Loma. Travelers and Familia are both out now and available to listen to across all streaming services. And while you're at it, you can listen to our interview with Nick and Ace at the Lumberyard from February 2018. Yeah, man, that was a fun time. That was one of the best days of our lives. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Just flat out. But well, we obviously support Nick and his endeavors. And, uh, of course. Love Man Overboard, love Nick, and to hear him doing a solo project. He actually tweeted out that he was actually signed by Pure Noise Records, too. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, so shout out to Nick and Casaloma in his solo project. Check it out now on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get that uh, audible goodness. Our final thing is the wait is the hardest part before Sam's CGC Spotlight. And the only thing that's been delayed this week is the new seasons of the Pokemon anime in Japan. So that means it'll be delayed in, uh, in uh, the United States as well, and that's a hurt piece. And that wasn't the one that they were released on YouTube, right? That's something else, right? That's probably been done. I don't know where the fuck that's been. Okay. It's only three episodes out of seven. Like, can we can we get more, please? They're yeah. six <laughs> minutes long. Um, they, they've had to be done for a while. But, the, yeah, the newest seasons of the anime are going to be a little delayed, which is a shame because it's still a big anime in Japan. And I know that a lot of the Pokemon YouTubers that I watch do a lot of content on that. That's how I stay updated because I don't, I don't watch the anime anymore. But shout-outs to those guys. Uh, Sam, what's your CGC Spotlight of the Week? CGC Spotlight of the Week is one of, the, one of the favorite books I own in my collection. Definitely probably in the top five is Batman 49, the first appearance of Vicky Vale and the Mad Hatter. Joker Vic- covering Joker appearance. Vicky Valancourt from The Waterboy? Vicky Vale from, uh, the, the, you know, Michael Keaton. You know, uh, Vicky Vale. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So this is a, it's a 6-0 off-white white pages. It came out in... Was it uh, October, November of 1948? It's a Bill Finger story, Bob Kane cover, Bob Kane, Lou Sire Schwartz, Jim Mooney, and Charles Paris art. It's I'll send you a picture, so we'll post it on our IG so you guys get to see it. <clears throat> but I started with this book. I, I know I had it in a 4.0, then I upgraded to a 4.5, to a 5, to a 6. Like when you get to like this golden age books, I feel like you always kind of start small, and then you just kind of build and work your way up. So the last six oak sale was thirty two hundred, and that was last year. High sale was basically thirty eight hundred. There's only a hundred and seventy four total blue label CGC on the census. Highest graded being a nine six. There's only two of those: one nine four, one nine two, three nine O's, and fifteen six O's on the census. So it's a super tough book to get. And anything like I'd probably say this is probably my. Maybe my third favorite Joker cover ever. It's just a classic of just the Joker genie. It's freaking awesome. I'll send you the picture so you get it. Um, <clears throat> three stories in there. The first one we got is called The Prison Doctor. The doctor of Gotham State Penitentiary confesses his crimes when he's helping prisoners escape out of jail. When the, when the criminals double-cross the doctor, it's up to Batman and Robin to clear his name. Story number two, The Scoop of the Century. Bruce Wayne meets Vicki Vale at a yacht club who she's there to take pictures of. Then the Mad Hatter crashes the party to take all the valuables off the boat. 
Story number three, Batman Arabian Nights. It's uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson buys an expensive rug that resembles the Joker. So Bruce Wayne asked Charles Nichols, his scientist, to send him back in time to see what this joke see to see Joker's ancestor. So I thought that was pretty cool. Batman 49, super tough book. You don't see too many great it nowadays in high grade. It's always usually beat the shit. So if you like it, Batman 49. And again, we'll have that picture on our IG whenever this episode drops on Friday and we put the post up about it going live. We always include Sam CGC Spotlight in our IG post. If you want to check out that sweet cover art uh, along with the CGC grade. So that has done it. Back to normal length here for the pod, right around an hour and a half where we like it. And that was episode 183. Remember that on Monday, the 27th, our interview uh, with Pat from House and Home will be live as well. So we're psyched on that bonus episode. But until then, we'll see you next week for episode 184. Now I can finally start 